Franklin Graham grew up, of course, the son of the Reverend Billy Graham. That would be quite the challenge to grow up in that household, and there would be all kinds of expectations put on you that were not fair. Um, any pastor's kids knows the reality of living with other people's expectations. Franklin just wanted to have fun. Regardless of what anyone thought, and regardless of the consequences, he was the child of Billy Graham that wanted to have a great deal of fun. And he got into confrontations with police. He smoked, he drank, he fought. He eventually got kicked out of college. Franklin said, I have been running from God. I believe in God. I just didn't want Jesus running my life. I wanted to run my own life. But I was miserable. I was empty, and my life was broken into pieces. So one night he was in a hotel room, bedroom, and he called out to God and asked God to forgive him all of his sins, and he surrendered his life to Jesus as Lord of his life. And he said the next morning he woke up, and he didn't feel any different. But somehow he knew he was different, and he was committed to being led by Jesus. It really doesn't matter what your family background is. It really doesn't matter whether you grew up in a Christian home or whether you were raised by Billy Graham. Um, what your life experience has been, all of us have to make our own personal journey of faith in Jesus, and all of us have to surrender our lives to him. Not, again, not even being Billy Graham's son will save us. Today, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the life of the grandson of Abraham, Jacob. Does the grandson of Abraham need to make his own personal relationship with God? Or can he just be content with the fact that he's Abraham's grandson? Shouldn't that be good enough? But indeed, Jacob needs to develop his own faith. This is that story. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 12 says, Jacob left Beersheba, and he set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway or a ladder resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now you will remember as we've gone through Genesis that Jacob was the son of Isaac, and Jacob was the one of the, his two sons who really liked to stay close to home. He liked to cook, and he liked to be in the kitchen, and those kind of things. He didn't really want to travel. He didn't even want to be out in the fields and all of that. He liked to be close to home. And here he is, homeless, running from his brother Esau who wanted to kill him. 
He's on a 500-mile trip. The boy who never wanted to leave home is on a 500-mile trip (laughs) to see his uncle Laban, who his mother was sending him to. And all he had was his father's blessing. He was at a major crossroads in life. And when he gets to the place that was called Luz, Jacob slept on the ground because he had nothing else to sleep on. And he took a stone and he used it for a pillow or a headpiece. It was really probably more for protection than it was actually a good pillow. But it is often in the dark night of the soul, the dark times in our life, that God begins to draw us into a closer relationship with him, a personal, deeper relationship with him. Those are times in which we begin not just to know about God, but we begin to know God. And God's desire for every one of us is not just that we know about him and we can play Bible trivia, but that we know about, we know God himself. Jacob has a dream, and in that dream there's a stairway or a ladder, and it extends all the way from earth and goes all the way up into heaven with angels going up and coming down back and forth on that ladder. And, in, and Jacob's ladder, it, it means that God begins where we are. <laughs> the ladder reached the earth and it rested on the earth and it reached to the throne of God up in heaven. And one of the things that 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 is symbolic there in that dream is that when God grips our lives, there are angels of God that camp around us and and they represent God fighting for us. C.S. Lewis wrote, on the whole, it is better probably to think about God's love for you than about thinking about your love for God. It is a much more dependable thought. (laughs) You know how independable you can be. God is always dependable. And so C.S. Lewis says it's wise for us to always be thinking about God's love for us. The text goes on in, in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 28, where it says, There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you were lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. In the dream above the stairway or the ladder stood the Lord. So you have this big ladder all the way from earth all the way up to heaven in this dream. And at the very top of it is the Lord. And notice how the Lord refers to himself in this dream. He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob or and the God of Isaac. He does not go on to finish the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's just the two. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac, not yet the God of Jacob. 
And all of a sudden, without any commitment from Jacob, God says to Jacob in the dream, God renews the Abrahamic promise to Jacob, and he promises him that the land will belong to him and his descendants, the land where he's sleeping. He promises that his descendants will be numerous and very widespread, that, that the descendants of Jacob will go throughout the earth. He promises that his descendants will bless the entire world. In other words, there will be people who are not Jews, not descendants of Jacob, who will be blessed. You and I who will come to know God as a result of them. He says God will be with him wherever he goes. Even though he had to leave home and he's on this 500-mile journey, God says And promises to him, he will be with him wherever he goes. And then God promises Jacob that God will bring him back. And all of this is promised to him before Jacob says anything at all to God. The God of Abraham and the God of Isaac wanted to be the God of Jacob. The God of the greatest men and women in the world that have ever lived wants to be your God too. The God of Martin Luther wants to be your God. The God of John Wesley wants to be your God. The God of St. Augustine wants to be your God. The God of Abraham wants to be your God. And the text goes on in verse 16, and it says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. (laughs) He was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so early in the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, as a monument, and he poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So Jacob wakes up from his dream, and he remembers it. And he was surprised, realizing that, man, I've had an encounter with God, and I wasn't even home. I'm out here in this God-forsaken land, and God is here. So he's surprised by the fact that he's had an encounter with God, and he's away from home where he's comfortable at. And the lesson for Jacob is that God can be found anywhere. And wherever you are in your life journey, and whatever you're going through, God can be found in the midst of that. Jacob was afraid, it says, or filled with awe, would be another uh, translation, reverent awe. This place became a very special place for him, and often the places where you and I have special experiences with God become very, very sacred and very special to us. This place became very special to Jacob. So Jacob pulled out the rock, that he had used as a, as a pillow for his head, 
and he set it up as a monument to remember by, and he poured oil on it. That was the way that they consecrated things in those days, by pouring oil on it. So he, he consecrated this rock. It was really an act of devotion and an act of worship. And he names that place Bethel. Beth means house, and El is the Hebrew word for God. And so, house of God. He says, Luz is now, I'm going to call it Bethel. It's the house of God. And Jacob worshipped God at that point. And then he made a vow to God saying, if God be, will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I may return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob dedicates himself to God. He takes his time and he just dedicates himself to God, the NIV translates it, starts out here, if God will be with me. But actually a better translation there is, since God is with me and since he has promised to do these things for me, um, to care for me, to be with me, to provide for me, and to br bring me back to this land and make it mine, Jacob says, now I'm going to make a commitment to God. And Jacob does three things. He says, I am going to make the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac my God. I'm going to own God as my own God. And so the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac will now become the God of Jacob. And the interesting thing is if you go to the New Testament in John chapter 1, the very first chapter in verses 50 and 51... Jesus refers to himself, it's really an odd passage if you don't have this background. Jesus refers to himself as the ladder with angels ascending and descending on him. And that's all there is in that verse. And you take it back to Genesis 28... And you realize that Jesus is the stairway, Jesus is the ladder, and the angels of God are ascending and descending, and the way to get to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there is no other way that man may be saved under, under heaven other than through the Lord Jesus Christ, through a relationship with him. And, and so if you want the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to be your God, it is always through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bridge builder between people and God. He is the way that we get to God. The second thing that Jacob did after saying, no, I'm going to make my grandfather's God my God. The second thing he did is he made a place for worship in his life to experience God's presence and God's voice. And this is really important for each of us to do, that we make a place in our life. And I'm not just talking about a physical place that you come to Redfield Wesleyan Church for worship. I'm talking about just making a place in your life, some time. Or some places, some, some things in your life that 
okay, this is how I worship God. For some of you, it might be just taking some time just to sing worship songs because you love music. For others of you, God has just really gifted you and just going to God in prayer. For some of you, it's taking a, a walk outside because um, you have a hard time worshiping in a building. <laughs> but you get out around God's creation and you, your heart just melts in worship before the great creator of the universe. That's what Jacob was doing here. He made a place for worship in his life to experience the presence of God and to experience the voice of God. And so you need to make a place in your life where God can speak to you and where you can begin to experience him and know him more. The third thing that Jacob did was he recognized that everything that he would ever have would be a gift from God. It was God who said, I will provide for you on this 500-mile journey. There's no way a man could take enough provisions. In that day, walking on a 500-mile trip, there's no way you can carry enough provisions for that trip. And so God was saying, I will provide for you. I will provide for you while you're there. I will provide for you on your way back. I will give you this land. And Jacob says, I acknowledge that God is the one who is going to take care of me and my life and my needs. That kind of faith and trust keeps us from arrogant bragging and thinking that we can provide for ourselves. And yes, we should work. <laughs> and yes, we should do everything in our power to provide for our needs. But there is a special place where you and I, as people of faith, need to know that God is our provider and that we trust him to take care of us, and we go to him for our provisions. And, and Jacob's attitude is, well, if God is the one who's taking care of me, then I'm going to just give back a tenth of what he's given to me. And so he does that. And notice, there's no law about this yet in Genesis. That doesn't even happen in Genesis, but he's doing it pre-law, and that should be our attitude post-law in the New Testament, that we recognize that God is our provider. And we trust him to take care of our needs. And I would just encourage you this morning, if you're facing financial need, that you make sure that you take it to God and pray about it. Trust him to take care of you. you God did not design for you to be your own provider. He wants to be your provider. There's a hymn that we're going to sing this morning. It's called Nearer My God to Thee, and it was written in response to this passage. And we don't sing it very often because if you don't know this Bible story, you have no idea what this hymn is about. You just sang it out of habit. <laughs> but you have to know this Bible story to understand this hymn. And um, part of it is, is it's got a little bit of archaic language in it. So I just want to walk through with you the five themes that are in this uh, this hymn, verse 1, I will draw near to God, even if, it, if that means God takes me through some hard, difficult times in my life. I'm going to draw through. Even if I have to leave home and travel a 500-mile trip, 
I'm going to draw near to God. The second verse, I will draw near to God even if I have to make a stone my pillow. The third verse, I'm going to allow God to use angels to help me draw near to God. And I'm going to just believe that God's angels are encamped around me and they're watching out for my life. I'm going to, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to trust that. Verse 4, I will build a Bethel. I will build in my life a place of worship in which I can draw near to God. Verse 5, someday I'm going to draw near to God in heaven. Someday he's going to take me home and I'm going to see him face to face. 